Good afternoon, New York, and the rest of our listeners around the globe. My name is June Stoyer, and I'm the host of the Organic View Radio Show. Our podcast is available on iTunes, Zoom, and you can also visit our website at www.theorganicview.com. If you'd like to be on the show or would like to find out about sponsorship opportunities, please contact us at questions at theorganicview.com. Today's show is sponsored by Eden Foods, the most trusted name in certified organic clean food. When you shop online at EdenFoods.com, enter the coupon code ORGVIEW to receive 20% off any regularly priced items, excluding cases. For other promotional offers, please visit TheOrganicView.com's website. And don't forget to check out our contest section. On today's show, Tom and I are going to continue the discussion about why wildflower planting is not quite what it seems as far as being an effective solution to helping pollinators. And we will also discuss the new federal lawsuit against EPA regarding labeling of seed treatments. So I'd like to welcome to the show my co-host, Colorado beekeeper, Tom Theobald. Good afternoon, Tom. Good afternoon, June. Once again, there is yet another article about the success of growing wildflowers in the farmlands. There's an article that appeared in the Washington Post in regards to how Iowa farmers are basically planting wildflowers next to crops in order to improve habitat. And the main thing that they're missing is the soil health itself. And the only way that they can determine if the soil is in fact saturated with neonicotinoids is by actually testing the soil. And it's something that nobody seems to be doing. Well, you have to ask yourself why, because we've had a number of research studies that have come out recently that have raised serious concerns. One came from the UK where it was found that 97% of the neonic contamination of the bees came from wildflowers, non-target plants. Now, the agriculture is a little more limited over there in that canola is a major crop. Whether that had something to do with it or not is hard to say, but the bees are attracted to canola. The uh, more recent one was done right here in South Dakota by Christina Mogren and Jonathan Lundgren, and I believe it was a three-year study. And what they did was they made flower plantings, pollinator-attractive plantings, adjacent to both organic farms and chemical farms. And they monitored the neonicotinoids in those plots, and they intended the plots next to the organic farms to be the controls. And to their surprise, there was no difference between the contamination of the plots planted next to organic farms and the plots planted next to chemical farms. They were both contaminated. Now, the people that are promoting this Iowa prairie planting are very well educated, and they're they're accustomed to looking at closely at details, and they have, and they talk about the nitrogen retention in these prairie plantings, but there is no mention whatsoever of any attempt to determine whether these plots are contaminated with the neonicotinoids and perhaps many other pesticides. The concern is that This looks good. This is motherhood. How could you be such a curmudgeon as to speak against 
prairie plantings to benefit the pollinators. But what we may have instead are killing fields. Tom, I just want to read a section of this article. It says, Wild prairie could help the state's agricultural industry. It could slow soil erosion that costs farmers more than a billion dollars per year in lost yield and lower water pollution from fertilizers and chemicals. Pollution that triggered a lawsuit by Des Moines against three farm counties upstream. They point out the water pollution, but they don't point out the fact that the neonicotinoids are mobile in water, much less any of the other sublethal effects that are caused by neonicotinoids. So once again, they're highlighting the fact that there's an issue, they're trying to do something about it, but the bottom line is, is that if you're planting anything in soil that is contaminated with these pesticides, it is basically, as you said, a killing field. You're just adding to the problem. I did a little checking on this uh on the acreage involved, and they talk about a farmer who's planted a three-acre prairie plot. They don't give the acreage of his farm, but they say it's a large, successful farm and is probably two to 3,000 acres. So that's a, a three-acre prairie plot in 3,000 acres, let's say. At a state level, there are 31.6 million acres of agricultural land. 18, a little over 18 million acres of that is prime farmland. In any given year, there's 13 million acres of corn, 10 million acres of soybeans. Now, <laughs> they had a meeting where they, over the three-year period that this has been undertaken, the numbers have increased from two farmers the first year to 120 farmers last year who when surveyed, said they proposed to plant 400 acres, all right? And the statement was in the article that this would overwhelm their federal research grant. So we're talking, and, and these 400 acres weren't necessarily planted. That's what they said they planned to plant in the survey. But here we have, at the maximum, 400 acres in 31 million acres of agricultural land, and it's about to overwhelm their federal research grant. You know, what are we really talking about here? This is just more smoke and mirrors to support this uh, illusion of habitat improvement. And they're all carefully avoiding examining to, at, at all the extensive poisoning of farmland with these neonicotinoid pesticides. Well, Tom, they can't exactly do that for the obvious reason, because if one does it, and after all these years, all these other agencies that are employed by the government haven't done it, that's basically egg on their face. Well, it's more than egg on their face. The more they they perpetuate this fiction, the worse it looks. And I, I, I'm afraid I have to be critical here. You can no longer excuse this kind of thing on the basis of incompetence or even corruption. At some point, you step over the line into knowing institutional criminality. I don't know what's going on here, but it just seems to be a great mystery why these people are so carefully avoiding what all the evidence would tell us has been a massive environmental poisoning with long-lasting chemicals. 
think it's a mystery at all. Look at the case of Dr. Jonathan Lundgren, who has been on the show numerous times. If you speak up, what happens, Tom? Well, you lose your job, and that's and and most of these researchers and administrative people in these agencies are maze bright. They have obligations just like the rest of us do. They're on a career path, and they're trying to support a family, maybe kids in college, a mortgage. They don't want to jeopardize their career, so they, they keep quiet. They swallow their pride. They swallow their scientific pride. I believe what we have here is a major management failure, and nobody is addressing it. So what happens to people that do speak up? They wind up in a new career path. Well, it seems as though if you do speak up, you get penalized. While we're on this subject, I sympathize with the working-level people at the EPA. I I still think they would prefer to do the right thing if they weren't so grossly mismanaged. But there's been every effort to silence people. The EPA and the USDA has silenced their researchers. Uh, There have been some attempts, I understand, recently to silence this program, that it has been under attack, and it's been... Yeah, the website has been down on and off for the last couple of weeks. So, folks, uh, for those of you that have been trying to either read current articles or any of the archives, that's basically what's been happening. When the servers are under attack after a certain point, they're pulled offline for a brief period, but you know the bottom line is is that this has been ongoing. This isn't something new, Tom. This has been going on for many, many years, ever since I first launched the Organic View. And it seems as though if you do speak up about anything, and I'm not speaking about these subjects based upon my own opinion. I'm presenting the information that's been conducted by independent researchers that's been peer-reviewed and published. So... This is stuff that's already out in the open. We're at a great disadvantage here. We're one of the few programs that has spoken out consistently and tried to exercise some critical judgment about these questions. And you may find that you're unable to listen to what we have to say because of these kinds of of undermining attacks. Well, the bottom line is, is that until people really start to put the pressure on our elected officials who are constantly on vacation. It's amazing. Congress is always on vacation. I can't understand how they get anything done if they're always on vacation. And when they do get involved, it seems as though it's just something that's spur of the moment that goes nowhere. And it's the same repeated pattern of behavior time and time again. How many congressmen and women have brought up the subject of what's going on with their pollinators and claim that they would do something to ban neonicotinoids, and then you never hear from them again. Well, they do that. There's a uh, a bill that's been pending for three years, the Pollinator Protection Act, and every time election rolls around, they all say that they're in favor of it, that nothing has come of it. The EPA, the highest management in the EPA is Congress. And the middle management of the EPA has failed the people and failed the the environment dramatically they're beyond redemption i'm afraid and yet congress takes no action whatsoever to manage this situation i i don't know how we make these changes i don't know where you begin i don't know either but if if you look at what's going on with this lawsuit 
it seems as though it's the same subject that keeps coming up over and over and over again. And this particular lawsuit involves somebody who's been on the show numerous times, who's very outspoken, and whose family's business depends upon the outcome of this lawsuit. Let's uh, let's just take a look at a little bit of the history of this issue, because the lawsuit is over seed treatment. In regards to the history of the lawsuit, it involves Jeff Anderson, who's a commercial migratory beekeeper and owner of California Minnesota Honey Farms. The new federal lawsuit seeks to force the Environmental Protection Agency to label insecticide-coated seeds as a pesticide. And basically, this would curb the use of neonicotinoids, which have been proven to be responsible for the mass decline of not only honeybees, but our pollinators as a whole. Well, this is not necessarily to curb the use of neonicotinoids, although I think that's what we must do. This lawsuit is over the question of seed treatment. And let's just go back to the beginning. Imidacloprid was introduced in 1994. Clothianidin was introduced in 2003, still has never met the legal requirements for registration, but clothianidin and imidacloprid and some of the others, thiamethoxam, are used as seed treatment on over 200 million acres of agricultural land in the United States every year. Over 200 million acres. Now, 90% of the usage of these neonicotinoids is as a seed treatment. Of that 90%, only 5 to 10% actually goes into the plant. The rest goes into the soil and the groundwater and can live for, uh, remain toxic for years. And because it's used every year and it doesn't disappear in a single year, the effect on the environment is cumulative, and the levels rise with time. Now, the evidence is that this has been a massive poisoning of the land. Of the 90%, which is seed treatment, only 10% goes into the plant, which means that 80% of the neonicotinoids go unregulated and unmonitored. The EPA has chosen to exempt these seed treatments under the treated articles exemption. Here we're faced with what evidence is making clear is a massive environmental poisoning. And what does the EPA choose to do? Well, they choose to do nothing. And when challenged, rather than revisit their failed decision making, their choice is to, to defend those failed decisions in court and use taxpayer money to do that. I think it's about time that Congress stepped in and brought this agency to heal. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens with this lawsuit. Once again, Jeff Anderson has been talking about the labeling for many years. And there's so many issues with the use of these chemicals. As we've discussed in previous segments, especially the segment with Mar Judge Marin Ash Stoddard, when you have a combination of these chemicals and you have no idea what the end result is going to be, that poses a whole new threat that they haven't even begun to think about. 
So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. It will be interesting. And and understanding some of the background and the massive acreage that has been exposed to these chemicals, you really have to ask yourself why these people would be promoting prairie plantings and give no consideration to the fact that that land may be heavily poisoned, that they may be aggravating the problem, not solving it. Well, Tom, to be continued next week. Boy, I guess we're going to be here for a long time. I hope uh, we're all struggling on the beekeeping end. We're all struggling for survival, so I hope we can continue. A recent announcement was made by the Ninth Circuit Court of California regarding a petition by the EPA to get a summary dismissal of the uh, lawsuit over the seed treatment. I think this is a standard uh, legal step, a maneuver, but the Ninth Circuit Court told the uh, EPA no uh, to their credit. So that lawsuit goes on. The EPA will drag it out as long as they can. The one that I'm involved in has been going on for three years now. This is a disgrace what the EPA is doing, and someone in authority needs to step in. We'll see how this plays out. Once again, it seems as though it's yet another lawsuit, another beekeeper, and the bee decline continues. Yes. Well, folks, thank you so much for tuning in. This has been June Stoyer with the Organic Bee Radio Show. Join me and Tom next week as we continue the discussion in this special series called The Neonicotinoid View. Thank you, June, for providing a venue for these kinds of discussions. And once again, I thank the listeners for paying attention. The only power we have is the power of public opinion, and it's growing. And I thank you. Thanks, Tom. <laughs>